This morning, Deacon Hubbard read uh, from the book of First John, where we uh, I said that it kind of lined up a little bit with what I was want to say this morning because the title of our sermon is the crucible of life. The crucible of life, and we know in a crucible is where a mixture begins, where a mixture of components are made. But as we're made a shaping in the earth, in the clay of the earth or whatever, a molded in the matrix of the earth, he says, leave them in the world, but keep them from the evil that's in the world. And then we hear him calling his people out of Babylon. To be called out of Babylon, I tell you more or less, it's spiritual and not physical. So he calls us out of the world because there's going to be suffering in the world and there's plenty of suffering in the world that all of us must go through. That's whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you know, or whether you're religious or not irreligious, whether you believe or unbeliever. But it's the way that those circumstances and those afflictions shape in your life and how you begin to view life, what type characters molded or made in you because it's a furnace of affliction that God has us in with a purpose to shape us and make us in his own image and likeness. The scripture text comes out of the 48th chapter of the book of Isaiah, the 10th verse, and it says, Indeed, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested and chosen you in the furnace of affliction. It says, I've tested and chosen you in the furnace of affliction. This was a prophecy of Isaiah to the children of Israel for when God caused them out of Babylon, which was the furnace of affliction, which is a type of the world, where in the world, there are many things in the world that he helped shape us and mold us, not unlike when David said, I was shaping an iniquity and in sin my mother did conceive me. In that crucible of life, we're mixed in with the rest of the world, and but God, the pressure that's coming in that fiery furnace, the pressure that shapes us in that world, that God calls us out, it's raining on the just and the unjust. How do your afflictions shape in your life give you a view of life? That's what we want to look at this morning. How a Christian comes out on the other side and how the Christian or the believer comes out and how the unbeliever comes out. Because they all have to go through it. Just because you're going through suffering and affliction doesn't mean you're righteous or that God is with you or whatever. Because listen at what our scripture reading says in the book of Psalm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's the singular. In other words, of the righteous individual. And that's the one that Christ has imputed his righteousness to because you have to have the righteousness of Christ to go through this for to be shaped and right in his image because he's smelting us. He says, uh, I've shaped you. Indeed, I have refined you, but not as silver. Silver is a metal alloy that you have to use in a furnace. It, it's, it's very, how can I say it? <coughs> It's very particular to refine silver. It's like, I don't know, have you ever used a soldering iron or uh, uh, did? But sometimes you could overburn a, a not, you know, well right. And you have to be very attentive and you, you have to be able to, to, to know your temperatures and to make it stick and to make the alloy adhere to it. Sometimes you can burn some substances up with fire. Fire is a refining agent, and fire purifies. 
uh, I'll go over that, the book of Numbers, where it's talking about fire. But we all must go through this fiery furnace with God's purpose in mind is shaping us and delivering us and bringing us out on the other side. So when he destroyed the world by water the first time, Mm -hmm. he says this wasn't going to be water, but I'm going to show you an aspect of the water that washes and cleans because there are some things that can't be purified by fire. It has to be purified by water. There's fabrics and things. You couldn't put something that's fabric or something that's, let me not, listen to what I'm saying here. You can, we will be shaped by the fire spiritually and we will be placed in the fire. So that's going to be by fire, but also by water are we cleansed and purified because the sprinkling of the water, which is the word as in Ezekiel, he says, I sprinkle you with, with clean water. So we're washed by the word. That help cleanses us. But God has a tentative hand of his providence over his people. So there may be a many of people that are subject to, let's say, spiritual abuse or spiritual misleading because of the antichrists in the world. Those that are in the uh, antichrist uh, against Christ now, they can give us spiritual advice. There'd be many of them in the church, as you read here, First uh, John, when you started reading this, you said that, uh, when we had here, dear children, this world's last hour has come. You have heard about the Antichrist who is coming, the one who is against Christ, and already many such persons have appeared. Now, that could come in the guise of your parents, children, friends, relatives, or neighbors, anybody giving you wrong advice, advice against God that's a so-called professing Christian that's supposed to be Christians, you it's a spiritual persecution or spiritual affliction. It's affliction that you suffer, affliction that you're going through because the person that's that's doing this, it's in a, a position of authority, a respect, a position that you will have to make a determination whether to reject this counseling or this person know what they're talking about or not, you know. It's it's something to be under a parent that's giving you bad or wrong advice, and I've seen that consistently mm-hmm. within families, within our own families and our relationships that's supposed to be church people or things giving you wrong advice. That's been children that rebel against a parent or a children that's against a parent and saying and doing things and the Bible specifically says honor your parents or whatever. So they have went through modernism or a lot of other things and they've got religiously crossed up and brought this back into the house or back into the home and saying things. We have to be careful of what we say, who we let and speak things into our lives. Amen. That's why it says many are the afflictions. She because these things is a hindrance to you and you have to learn through God. It says the Lord deliver him out of all it because it's a way to come out of these things. Yes. Because you will have to be maybe offensive in some of the things of very abrasive in the things you do and it's going to change your life and you have to be spiritually strong. Yes. Spiritually strong now. It says... This makes all more certain that the world, the end of the world is near. These these against Christ people used to be members of our churches, but they never really belong with us, else they would stay with us. When they left us, it proved they were not of us. In other words, it was like demons who had left for the present Christ for the present world. Because the suffering of some of the things may not have coalesced with what they believed in. They may have had a prosperity gospel in mind or that they shouldn't suffer or that we shouldn't go through afflictions or whatever. And you have people that want to rebuke the devil or they want prosperity and seek after wealth and some other things that causes them to be, uh, how can I say it, 
spiritually perplexed themselves because they're chasing after something that torments them to be wealthy. They they go through everything to acquire wealth or to acquire power, to acquire uh, want to please others. You know, there are a lot of times children are trying to please the parent, or parents are trying to please please the the children. Uh, just men pleases. The Bible tells us about men pleases, or uh, e- even self pleasure. All of these you can be afflicted with those woes, and you have to, those are the things that keeps us in bondage in life, and those are the things that He has to purge out of us. Those are the things. That's why I say the purge is necessary. What are he getting out of us? The impurities, the envy, the jealousies, the murmuring and complaining, the backbiting. There are parents that set children against one another. Sit around talking about the other child to the other child. There are people that set brother and sister against one another, and we talk about that in the book of Proverbs or whatever. But the Amplified Version says, many hardship and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues them out of them all. Because sometimes you may have to get mother, mama told in a certain way or leave away from round mom. That's why it says a man shall leave his parents because you have to be a place where you're making decisions where this is where mama's life got crossed up or thrown off. This is where daddy's life got th- crossed up or thrown off. This is where my son or my daughter got crossed up or thrown off. You have to maybe even deny yourself because each man has to stand before God himself. Now, this is a perplexing situation to stand by yourself, but it's a cross that you have to bear. That's my first thing. Spiritual wounding is essentially the violation of a sacred or spiritual core in human beings in which Adam and Eve violated and caused themselves the knowledge of good and evil that day that they died spiritually. Physically, they hadn't died yet, but they were in the process of dying. And that affliction, like I said, comes up on us all. That's unnatural in some ways, you know. We say it's unnatural a lot of times that a child passes before the parent. Uh, it's unnatural for young people to be to fall in some of the things that happen. But there are debilitating injuries and things happen. So there's physical affliction that comes up on, on, on us all, whether we be lost or saved. Uh, in the Corinthian church, Paul details some of the light and momentary afflictions that he experienced. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27, Paul recounts how many times he was in prison, the beatings, stonings, shipwrecks, dangers of hard labor, sleeplessness, hunger, and exposure, all because of the gospel, and sometimes he might have could have been alleviated from that to ask for help or reach out to someone, but sometimes for the gospel's sake, you don't help you don't ask certain people for help. You don't ask of others. It's like God says in the book of Psalms, the earth and the fullness thereof, everything belongs to him. But if he was hungry, he wouldn't tell you. So it's some things you have to go through to stop from being entangled from the world. Paul didn't take offerings and money from certain churches because you got people say, well, the preacher just wants your money or this person just wants your money. And that's why Peter told Simon that you and your money perish together. People try to control you through finances and money and things. So it was only two churches, the Thessalonians and the Philippians that Paul took, but he wouldn't take money from the Corinthian church. That was one of the most crossed up churches it was. Just because you're in church, don't think that you didn't made it out of here. That's why it says the righteous the Lord deliver, not the unrighteous now. 
And she said, there'd be many an antichrist of people in the church that hadn't been purged or they couldn't make it through these afflictions and they unite with the people of the world and gospering and murmuring and backbiting against the people of God, their own brethren in the faith. Paul's life as an apostle was anything but easy. It is hard to imagine persevering through all some of what Paul persevered through. What he was, because a lot of us want to hold on to friends in relationships. And sometimes in friends or in relationship, you have to get people told. You don't have to go along, get along. It says follow peace as much as possible with all men. But sometimes you have to tell them where the car stops at. See, people, just because you're a Christian or something, don't mean you lay down and let people walk on you. That's the condition you got yourself in. You need to watch what you're doing or whatever. Jesus Christ, he was afflicted, but he didn't allow, he didn't allow people afflictions to hinder him. You will have a problem if you allow people's problems to become your problem. And yet Paul was not discouraged. You can't be discouraged or let that become a depression for you. It says he was not contemplating retirement or another line of work. In fact, in those passages, he was boasting about those afflictions, about how he came through those afflictions, about what people were saying about him. He laughed him and Silas was laughing and praying for all that they had to suffer for Christ's name. Uh, now, he wasn't a glutton for punishment. Uh, he knew something that others had not discovered, and that's why we rejoice in the Lord. He gives us his joy and his peace and his strength to go through. While all these people talking about you, say, well, you still could help them or help others or whatever and not let what they're saying deter you from your goal in Christ or change you. Now, why David wrote what he said in Psalm 34? The title of that Psalm 34 and 1 explains that David wrote it, that Psalm 34, after narrowly escaping the death of the Philistines by pretending to be insane. You remember he let the, the spittle dribble down his thing. He played like he was crazy. Yes. David had just fled from the land of the Philistines after Saul was trying to kill him. God had anointed him as king and Saul running, trying to kill him. David says, one of these days, Saul's going to kill me. Well, that's put in there for us to learn that we still have to be dependent upon God and not go to the enemy's side. Even though David went to the enemy's side, he was in the land of the Philistines. We're in the world. We in This is Satan is the God of this world. But we can't seek a refuge in this world. We can't seek a refuge in the things of Satan. Yes. yes. So he sacked a refuge among the Philistines. It was become the way he was going to have to battle against God's people. He was going to have to battle against Israel. Yep. You see, when you mix yourself with other people, that's what happened to Ephraim. If you read in the book of Hosea, uh, it says Ephraim has mixed himself with the people or joined himself to his idols, let him alone. He's as a cake unturned. Yes. A cake unturned. What is a cake unturned? You ever cook pancakes or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Or if you put that pancake on the grill or whatever and don't turn it over, it's going to have a tendency to burn on that other side or be overcooked or whatever. But the top side go bubble up and be uncooked. It go be virtually raw because it was unattended to. Right. Our lives are unattended to. If a child is left unattended to, and that's the problem, people. Hillary Clinton had wrote a book says it takes a community to raise a child. It takes a village to raise a child. It used to be the old people. Back in the day, they would whip you or whatever. They see you doing something or whatever. But nowadays, people are so restrictive about their children. They don't even want you telling them their children that did something wrong. They don't want you saying something about their child or whatever. And that's why we have 
what we the situation we have. But the Bible tells us a child unattended, a child left undisciplined or unchastened is the reason we have 14 and 15 year olds doing what they're doing today. The reason can't nobody say anything to them. The reason the teachers and things can't talk to them or whatever. And you have the parents coming to the schools fighting with the teacher because that's my child. You don't tell me my child is not doing anything. Well, that little bastard, somebody's going to kill him because why? He don't have a father image. See, God is our father. He says, if you don't endure chastening your bastards, God says he chastens every son that he receives. In other words, that's why he put a father and a mother in a family because that father is there for corporal punishment. He's there for hard discipline. He says, beat him with a rod. See, in the old days, the lazy and the rebellious child and the child was, that wasn't, wasn't disciplined, yet they would carry him to the village and it would be the parent's job, the first one to stone him to death of eating. But nowadays, the children are so protected and you have to cut a deal with them just to get them out of the store. To do anything, you have to plead with them or whatever. But it wasn't that way a long ago. My mother was a usher in the church or whatever, and she could look across the church at us or whatever, and we know we was dead at that time. We didn't cross mother. You know, you, a parent has to have you to where discipline is there. Yes, Lord. Yeah. So Ephraim wasn't being, God let Ephraim alone because they joined themselves to the idols. You know, when you stop telling people things and you let them alone, that's one thing you don't want God to let you alone. That's why he says, I refine you in the fire, not in silver. I didn't leave you unattended. I watched everything and he, he, how can I say this? He's watching over the tribulation and the troubles that you're going through. And he's not going to put more on you than you can bear. And the things that he's putting you into are carrying you through. It's that you look unto him. Knowing that he's there, he's in the fire with you. As As the boys went through the fiery furnace, it says, Now we know God is able to deliver us out of this. But why are you in the fiery furnace? Don't break down and curse God unless you die. Job was placed in the fiery furnace by God. Job wasn't doing anything wrong. It's not necessarily because you're doing anything wrong because the fiery fires of affliction comes. Job's friend says that what happened to your children, Job, and because they was undisciplined or they did this. We don't know if that's true or not. The Bible doesn't. Tell us that, but we know God killed all of those children. And that he gave Job a new set of children. Notice that he didn't give those back that he killed. Now, whether their lives was undisciplined or not, that's, that's not the issue here. The issue is that God did remove those children. So sometimes we suffer that faith. But we can't break down and blame God. We can't go against God. We have to take it on the chin and still serve God. When Aaron's sons, Nahab and Abihu, they offered up strange fire to the Lord. The Lord, the fire came out and consumed them. And God told Moses to tell Aaron, don't show that he disagreed with God. Whatever God's putting on us, the fiery furnace we in, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And as I hugged and told you the other day, Deacon, I don't know how you feel. I hadn't been put in that position. I, I can't, you know, you could try to imagine or whatever, but until you in that fire, you can't tell every, nobody that's going through the fire. But Jesus came down here. He was placed in the fire as a man, just like each and every one of us. That's why when people be talking about the God man or whatever, no, he laid his divinity aside and came down here as a man and showed us how we have to suffer to go through. We will have to suffer the same way he suffered. He says, nevertheless, thy will be done. So he didn't go through that as God. He went through that as a man. And we will have to go through life as a man. We will have to suck it up and go through life. 
There's ways women go through life. There's ways men go through life. There's no male or female with God. But there's a God that had made a distinction and put a man and a woman in a family to reaffirm. Now, with two men in a family, it's not going to come out right. Two women in a family, it's not going to come out right. Because why? You're not in line with the doctrines of the word of God. It has to be not what I believe. I was talking to someone this week or whatever, and they were saying the way I see it. Well, it's not the way we see it. It's what the way God, how does God see this? We have to see it from his perspective. Yes. That, that's what we're looking for, God's perspective on life. So sometimes they seem like they was having dementia, uh, uh, going through insanity, uh, going through different phases. If you start getting into the Bible, once you come out of the world and get glued away from the television, you start seeing what the Bible really is saying. Uh, God starts to really talk with you. I, 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 yeah, I heard you keep saying you start seeing or talking with that you could feel God and God's spirit that. But when you actually, when Jesus actually, his spirit unites with your spirit or whatever, the physical afflictions that David suffered are some of the things we go through. And all of this is real. Uh, the doctors look at it. Some people say it was hypothermia, hypothermia David had in the latter years of life. He was a warrior. Yes. It could have been rheumatoid arthritis or something they were saying. We know his bones wasn't broken, so I don't know what was what symbolism or metaphoric or what that was, but that seemed as though a spiritual affliction that was mental up on his mind. And I told you, it, it was like Isaiah, uh, Elijah. Elijah was ready to die. He says, Lord, take my life. I'm ready to die, you know, that he was the only one. Sometimes it feels as though the world against you because your wife ain't going to understand you all the time. You're not going to understand your husband. You're not going to understand one another. Your children are not going to understand you. Your parents, it's people not going to understand you sometimes. But you have to hold your ground now. You can't make that concession just so that we would be at peace. No, because now I'm compromised where God didn't brought me to. Just because you, my older brother or sister, don't mean you know more than I am, that God had taken you through something or showed you because I'm seeing something or God tell me I have to have faith in God for myself. Don't run your children and try to make them have your faith. They have to have God's faith, the faith that was delivered unto the saints. First Kings, the first chapter, the first to the second verse, it says, Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he gained no warmth. He gained no warmth from the clothes. Because we know in Psalms 34 and 2, it's 11, it says, My strength failed, and my bones are consumed. My bones wasted away through my anguish, Roaring all day long. And in Psalms 51 it says, Restore the bones that you had broken. But being a type of Christ, we know this was symbolic when he was saying broken bones. But we know he had hypothermia. He was married to Bathsheba at that time, you remember. Mm -hmm. He was older and that's when he made Solomon king. But his advisor says, Get a young cacubine, a young woman, and let her cover the king and give him warmth or whatever. And that's when he got Abishai, I think her name was, Abishai, and that concubine, but that didn't help David. That only caused a larger problem. You see, when we seek out people's advice and people telling us what to do, make sure it's godly advice because that advice got one of his sons killed because you remember one of the afflictions that had come upon David because of his adultery was that the sword wasn't going to ever leave his house. Be careful what you're allowing people to tell you. Don't care who it is, how close they are. Are you prayed into that? Because David says, I was afflicted. I was I went astray before I was afflicted. In other words, you sinned and then this thing came upon you. He went astray. He was out of God's word. 
when we get out of God's word, that disobedience brings chastening. And if he doesn't chasten you, Job was wondering, why do the wealthy get money? Why do the wealthy children, nothing happens to them, nothing happens to their possession and things or whatever, because God is not their father, their bastard children. That Satan is the, their father, the devil. God has, God's not disciplined them. God disciplines and chastens his children. That's to keep us in line. God keeps his, his children in line. And if you without that chastening, you have a problem. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their trouble. But the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. And that's why you are saying that you get lifted up when you... Think about the Lord and his words and the comfort in his word. But you remember I told you this woman, Abishai, this concubine, man's idea when they said, well, this very concubine is the very concubine that Adonisan, one of Adonis, one of David's other sons, was competing with Solomon for the throne and he went into her, and during those days when you went into a concubine, it's some, it was symbolic of becoming the king or having the power or whatever. You remember Absalom slept with David's concubine. It was when Adonijah went into this concubines of David that his brother Solomon had him killed because it was like he was taking over. You know, within a family, your brothers and sisters, it was like with Rebecca and Isaac, one parent telling this child this, getting in the back room, talking with this child against that child and murmuring against this person and that. They got them all crossed up and messed up or whatever. Your parents is the afflictions that left you. That's why you might need to leave them and say, Mama or Dad, you know, sometimes you can't say nothing. You have to just, you know, just get away. Sometimes you don't have to get a person told. Be careful about snapping and popping off at the devil. That ain't a Christ. You better be careful of what you say. How you approach people. Sometimes it's best not to get people told. It's best not to know. The Bible tells us you thought I was altogether like you because I didn't say nothing at the time. Sometimes just just walking away or not saying something is the best thing. You don't have to get nobody told. You don't have to give them a piece of your mind. God will slay the wicked if the foes of the righteous will be condemned. There are so many people there sometimes children that are rising up against parents and that child was a thorn in your flesh or that parent was a sometimes God moves in in his own time. God moves the problem. God moves the mountain. God moves the affliction, but you have to pray to God or whatever, because whatever's occurring in your life, God has it there for a reason. And believe me, it's tempered in your life. It's not going to last a minute longer than it should. If you look at God's prophecy, his words, each day he promised deliverance to children of Israel left out of Egypt at exactly 435 years or whatever it was that God told them it was going to happen to the day. So God's word comes true. But whatever your enemy is doing to you, you praying to God and it's tempered that way. Whatever that comes in your life, you may have to endure that. You're being led by the Spirit of God doing this time. But don't think that your life, and that's why I say about these prosperity doctrines about money cometh and he's going to answer all that. It may be that he doesn't want you with that wealth. God had gave, given Paul a thorn in the flesh. We don't know whether it was physical or spiritual. Some people said it was Paul's eyesight that he couldn't see very well or whatever. Some people say it was mental. He may have had epilepsy or something about the visions and things he was seeing or having. You remember the bright light that shined upon him on the Damascus Road? They said 
cause some kind of thing where there's light. But all of that, it, the Bible doesn't focus upon that. It focused that he was a weakness. It was a thorn in the flesh, that it was something that was bothering him. It was something that hindered him so bad that he prayed to God three times to remove that. They say it could have been men that was following his ministries in preaching the law and teaching because, you know, Paul had people when he was put in prison, they was preaching contrary to things to to add to his burdens. There are a lot of people that pile on in your life. But notice that Paul, he told Paul, isn't my grace sufficient for you? Yes, Lord. So he had to bear that thorn in the flesh. So for Paul, the troubles he faced were insignificant. That's why he says these momentary light afflictions. And I don't think being shipwrecked out on the sea is a light affliction. But he says light afflictions. You know, Jesus' brothers and things didn't like him. They didn't associate with it. They was always contradicting his spirituality. You get saved and you're in a family and you're a little bit different from the rest of your brothers and sisters and they always could be trying to trick you or trap you up. That's what he was doing just like they did Joseph. You remember Joseph's brother threw him in a pit and they sold him to Potiphar. They sold him away from the family. All of those are in that crucible. Life is, there's a mixture in life. God's looking at that mixture and in that pot, stirring it around, it's like milk and thing. What happens, the cream comes to the top. The righteous shall prevail. We're going to talk about the wicked. There's no rest for the weary. The wicked, it has no rest. They always stirring something up. They always rising contention. They always saying something. They conniving. They scheming. But God's people going through this affliction, they see the world or they looking at two different realities. We're not looking at things as they are. We walking by faith as how things should be. What a family should be. What brothers and sisters should should be, what the world should be. When we do that, we're looking at that unseen world. As we view it hard enough, if we strain to get that vision, God's going to start letting us see from that perspective. That's the perspective God brings into our lives. What a man soweth, that is what a man shall reap it. Paul described and seeing the world as temporary. Remember, he says, this world is passing away. It won't last. All of this wickedness, trouble don't last always. But man born of a woman is born in the trouble. But it's, it's going to be problems and everything. But this is temporary. This life is temporary. It's passing away. That which is spiritual, that's what's going to last. All that it contains, including the struggles, one of these days, they're going to be gone. But the unseen world is eternal. It'll never come to an end. We hadn't crossed that Rubicon. We don't know what it is on the other side. And stop listening to those preachers and people talking about they, you didn't die, you looking down upon them. No, you dead, you gone for right, you know nothing. Your spirit is with the Lord. Now, when you come back, when he places you back in that body, because in that body he's shaping and forming you in his image. You know, mirrors are made of silver, of mountain. Uh, in the biblical days, a lot of the bronze, was that's what they used for mirrors and things. Because with a mirror, what you would do, you would boil those alloys until it was so, so pure, so clean, that you can see re- your reflection in it. Yes. You can see, well, that's what God wants us to do. The fire is purifies, so we will be made in, in his image, in his likeness. He's going to boil that hatred. He's going to burn that hatred out of you. He's going to burn bitterness and resentment out of you. We will be just like him. We will be without a spot or a wrinkle. And that that the fire doesn't burn, we're going to be washed by the word, the sprinkling of the word. That's why we have to be doers of the word. All of that is the fire that's being kindled 
That's the furnace that we're shaping in. That's where we at. So for Paul, the troubles he faced was insignificant, as I said. On the basis of what Paul does say in this passage, we can ascertain certain things about certain people in that Paul's choice of words, the thorn in the flesh, he said a thorn in the flesh, that is something that's pointed. It seems to describe an annoyance of something intensely painful. A thorn in the flesh? You remember his, when Jesus says about him kicking against the pricks, it's not easy to kick against the pricks. And I don't want to waste too much time going back explaining what the pricks mean or whatever. But we know he was being tormented. And you remember I told you that's one of the words, a synonyms for affliction, to be tormented. That torment or torture, that's glory. You remember I told you this crucible of My little grandson is four years old. And we driving along, picked him up from the nursery or whatever. And we went, to, you know, by McDonald's to get him the fries and everything. And he says, uh, one of them, uh, he said, I'm five. Well, he's not five, he's four. But the other one is five. And he says, I'm five. And he keeps taunting him. He, he, and this, the other one letting this get to him, he says things about, my name's Quincy. My name tortured him, you know, and this is bothering him, and he just says things. Sometimes he says you know, do you have people that comes along and just kind of taunts you? But all of those are part of life you have to learn to live with. My daughter said, well, just ignore him. Just don't pay no attention to him. But that's in us, and we have to learn that people are going to say things. They're going to taunt you. They're going to torment you or whatever. But we, we have to overcome these things. We have to overcome. Uh, the result of chastening. The result of chastening. And I tell you, God chastens every son that he receives. To keep Paul from having an undue sense of self-importance, God said no to his repeated requests over these three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. God taught him that his grace was sufficient. And that's why God has things that he places in our lives. I tell you, the furnace of the things that we're going through, whether it's keeping you from wealth, whether it's keeping you from certain things, some children, you have to to understand each and every one of your children. uh, and one of my children wanted a car before he graduated, and I, did, I didn't kind of approve of that, but the other one wanted one, and I let him or whatever. But you have to know that in the visual, each thing is set in life, a gauge, a tempered, and one thing you lay on one, you may not lay on the other. Yes, yes. And that's how God sees us. All of us are different and it's according the lens that you view the world, whether you put someone authority, uh, another person not placed in authority. Uh, the word translated affliction, as it is here when Paul talks about it in Psalms 34 and 21, signifies evils. They may be safely interpreted as moral evils as well as evils of afflictions. Uh, Psalms 34 and 21. And then the sense is that many of the sins committed by righteous persons, for there are none without sin, huh? Mm. Many sins committed by righteous persons? How does that happen? In many things, they all offend. Listen to that, Nadia. In many things, they all offend a righteous person committing these sins. Yet they not shall not perish by them. Not that they shall be delivered from them as from the dominion of them by the power of grace and guilt. Now, Pastor, kind of explain this to me about this righteous person sinning because we all offend, he says, all of us sin. 
wasn't Paul this painful visit to the Corinthians is because he had to get them straightened out? You remember I said that he puts a father in a family and a mother in a family? You know why a lot of homes, and, and you know, we have to talk where we at. And, and since I'm black, let me talk about some black family. You know what happens if you don't have a father in a home and you're raised by a mother or whatever? You will not have that balance. My father, my stepfather was a little bit more balanced, brought a little bit more balance in my life. You have to be hard on children, especially boy children. Women don't have that tendency. A lot of black women didn't, didn't got to where they are, they are strong in the people, the race, people call them the angle black woman. No, because without that father in the home, disciplining that child or whatever, he's going to have feminine. And that's why they're talking about femininity. And that's why, if you notice how many homosexuals or feminine men and things, that's because of the ruining by the women. Sometimes that man has to get in there and bear down and say certain things and do certain things, make him get his tail out there and do this and do that. And you have to put put the fear of God in him. But women has a tendency to destroy that. And Paul came in and he was telling them about put the guy out that was going with his mother, with his stepmother. Paul was telling them about brothers that commit fornication and other things, and he hurt their feelings, and sometimes the preacher has to hurt your feelings. That's why a lot of people leave the churches, and that's why the churches, and Paul says, uh, many of them that didn't continue with us because the preacher has to sometimes preach the word. Jeremiah was one that brought fire and brimstone. Sometimes the preacher ain't going to be your friend and, and tell you God wants to favor you and he wants you to do this and that. that. He's going to make you curse and leave and not want to come back. But if you're not chastening, if you can't tell somebody something, you will go the other way. And this chastening that you meet, this this woman or these people, it's Jezebel. That's what he, is that the spirit we've been talking about? This woman Jezebel had taught my children commit fornication. That's what weakens the society. This spirit of Jezebel. Yes, Lord. And so now you don't have that. That rough, that such, that sharp edge where men are being men. Is that what Joab says? Men should be men. Yes. Yes. And and that's the problem we're in. We having now. That can't nobody say nothing to you. It's it's used to be in school. You used to have corporal punishment, and if the teacher couldn't talk to you, they'd, they'd have to chasten you or whatever. But now you can't even tell them anything. For they go home and they tell them the parent. The parents come back about their child or whatever, and now the child raise up and kill the parent. Yes, you can't do anything with the children nowadays. So these afflictions sometimes you have to hurt people's feelings. Paul says, I made you sorrow, but it was a sorrow unto repentance. It was a sorrow that made you examine yourself. Sometimes you have to examine yourself because if you get off course, somebody has to make a course correction. The word's not going to line up with you. You have to line up with the word. That's why he told Jeremiah, bring the hammer, Jeremiah. You have to bring the hammer or else you go allow Every unclean bird to come in the church, and that's the church's problem now. They've allowed everybody to have a doctrine, everybody to have a say. And, and this thing, the other night, they elected the Speaker of the House last night after 15 different votes. But he so weakened himself to just one person could cause him to be ousted from the job he was seeking. We left the strongest speaker of the house we've had in history. Michael Besloff, was, a historian, was talking about last night. Nancy Pelosi, one of the strongest speakers of the house, has left. That's what history is going to have. And the weakest speaker of the house is a man that just came in that made all kinds of concessions to get the job. Don't cut no deal with nobody to get a job. Don't cut a deal to get anything. You know. 
even women are not going to appreciate a strong man in a position because they're not going to be able to bring discipline to the thing. You have to be a disciplinarian. And God knows that's what the fire. You will have to come through the fire. While the righteous afflicted, if God's going to deliver them out there, and that's what I say is to test those. These things happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, that not one of his bones was broken, not one of Jesus' bones was broken, but God allowed him to suffer this affliction. And that's why I say being a type, I don't think an actual bone of, of David's was broken, but that year in which he had did this with Bathsheba, he wasn't right because spiritually he was crushed. You know, that's why I say if somebody crushed the spiritual life out of someone, if you take away somebody's desire or will to live, Jesus didn't suffer these bones in the Old Testament. He protects all of those bones. That one was, he supernaturally intervened in the day Christ was crucified and the legs of the two thieves on both sides of him, their legs was broken or whatever, but when they came to Jesus, none of his legs was broken. He restored him. He rose him in the resurrection. And by his afflictions, we are healed. This thing I was telling you about the fire, Numbers 31, 23 has it. The Amplified says, Everything that can stand fire, you shall pass through the fire, and if it shall be and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, if it shall it shall also be purified with water of purification to remove all the impurities if it cannot go through the fire like a fabric or something. So we all have to go through the fire. But it's the water that washes and purifies us. But fire has a purifying effect. So paradoxically, I'm saying that both do this. Yes. But I'm saying that he said it wasn't going to be by water the next time. That the water destroyed the earth, right? Right. But this time he's going to destroy it by the fire. So we could go through the water, but the water that we could go through, just like Noah went through, the water that we go through is water purification. That's the word of God that builds us up, that strengthens us, that forms us. His word has to be in us, endured by the word. But those that are in the church, those that are in the world, but are not true believers, that are not Christians, the fire would destroy them. So the day of the Lord's could be judgment to some. Those the, the rebels, those that are still hard hearted, there will be those that don't repent. There's gonna be those that cannot, those that are still murmuring and complaining. The fire destroys these. This is gonna be eternal death for them. Therefore, he says, We lose not heart. We lose not heart. When he called Paul in this fire. This light shined from heaven from him. What did he tell Ananias to tell Paul? It's in Acts, the ninth chapter, in the 16th verse. He says, I will show him how much he got to suffer for my name. Mm, yes, yes. Winston Churchill told his people, followers, I won't have nothing to offer you but blood, sweat, and tears. See, because we don't know how this thing go in. A lot of us may be like this soldier we had in this chair. They, she may not be here now, but we know in eternity that they may come, come through the fire. Now, like I said, there are some that may physically leave. Just because you lose a child, just because you lose a parent, because you lose someone in life, they've fought a good fight. So that doesn't determine just because a person has a loss or affliction. Only God knows who's saved and who's not saved, but how did they go through there? So it's how we go through these things. Jesus told his disciples in John 15 and 18 that they would be hated by the world because they were his followers. In Timothy 2, 3, 12, Paul says that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So when your brothers and sisters talking behind your back, let it roll off you like water off a duck's back. When the people on the job talking about you, that doesn't hurt you. Blessed are you when people say all men of evil against you or whatever. 
when your friends and people talking, whatever happens, don't let the things in this life get to you. You have to learn to walk this road by yourself. You have to learn that you will suffer these things. The most righteous person to walk the earth endured astronomical affliction. Christ endured severe pain. He wept at the graves of Lazarus. He was betrayed by a friend. He was beaten and then mocked and stripped naked and tortured and hung on a cross. And he faithfully walked out of the will of the Father by dying on the cross. He worked that out. He says, not my will, but your will be done. So there's going to be afflictions now. If he went through all that, they stripped him naked with him, whipped him with a cat of nine tails, and hung him on the cross. And if they did it to the green tree, sacrificially, he did this for us all. But by his stripes, we were healed. His stripes, we were healed. How do you typically, typically respond when something happens to you? Do you have that delayed response where you can be hum, harmless? Do you have to bite back or snap back or strike back at it? Because that's why you're going through this crucible to learn when revile, you revile not again. How you respond when something bad happens to you. Well, in concluding this, 1 Corinthians three ten fifteen, to read the whole verse, what's going on, it says, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation another builder thereon. But let, let, let every man take heed to how he build thereupon. For no other foundations can any man lay that is laid, which is in Christ Jesus. Now if any man build upon this foundation of gold, silver, precious stone, wood, stubble, or hay, Every man's work shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he shall be saved. How are you building? Are you building by the word of God? Are you sending things up to heaven? Are you wholeheartedly looking unto these things, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Looking at afflictions. Afflictions are something not to be shied away from. We must glory in these things many divers temptation, divers things shall come upon you. And God's going to continue to load you because what happens, it's a furnace. The, the world is a furnace, but the light, got the. it's a crucible. And he's stirring the pot. Mm. But we must spiritually come out of the world. Yes. Because as those impurities, what he's doing to us is he's bringing the the knowledgeable, the ones that's seeing it from his perspective, then those things, how can I say this? You remember I tell you about the worm that's crawling on the ground, the caterpillar or whatever? We must rise above that and allow, allow, allow that weaknesses. When Joseph crawled up, did Joseph, didn't Joseph leave his brothers in Goshen? But he was in Egypt. Joseph was on the thrones. He couldn't take them up with him because they wasn't made of the same material Joseph was. They was conniving to the end. You remember after the father died, those brothers came to Joseph and said, well, dad said, don't remember the things that I did that, that we did to you, but that you should treat us this way and treat us. They were still material. They hadn't repented. They hadn't turned. Joseph fell back and said, I'm in the place of God. You did it for evil. God meant it for good. Yes. Some people not good change. You could go back to the same neighborhood. You could go back to the same places. 
It may not have been changed. You can't go back to home. You can't go back to where this was. I, my, my brother, I got a brother in Georgia or whatever, and he, he's he's thinking and thinking, and we didn't talk about certain things. And I say, now, sometime life is meant to where you have to keep rising. You have to go. Yes. You have to move. I was talking to my niece the other day, my grandniece, and that's the one I told you where my niece is her birthday today. Well, that's her daughter. And it's a, a barrage in California or whatever, but she's there. But it may not be meant because if you get back down here, yeah. it's, it, it may not be what you want. Mm -hmm. God may have you scattered. And that's what he says. He's going to scatter you and that's going to be many afflictions. There's going to be many things. But you must glorify God in all of those things. Yes. I talk about my brother all the time. I talk about my niece and people because I want you, I want you to fly high as God wants you to fly. Where I'm at, I've learned to be content with such that I have. That's what you have to learn. You have to learn that God is wanting you to be an overcomer, but there are those that want you to join the pity party, that wants you to be entrapped with them. These momentary afflictions, and then you get used to bearing the plow. You get used to being in that crucible. But we need to soar. We need to rise up above this. That's what Christ did. We're the first fruits. He wants us to overcome the afflictions and things in life and be a, a glory, a counting unto God. Are your afflictions glorifying God? Are you learning to take the? It, can God? Can people see Christ in you through the afflictions and things that you're bearing and going through? We need to be strengthened in those. We need to be seen to be just like Christ. Heavenly Father, as we come before.